This is week three in the series, The Renewing of Your Mind. You know, the series on Wednesday night so fits with the series on Sunday morning because we're talking about vision, how it, how it is connected to purpose, and how it is all connected to you walking by faith. So these two series really work together. God is really wanting us to think right. Thinking right, it's not positive thinking, it's unlimited thinking, where now all things are possible to me because I believe him. Amen? So let's jump into it. Hallelujah. Last, last week, we spent, I mean, I had 35 pages of notes, and uh, we spent all night in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. I went through almost two pages of notes. And so... Today, I've got 44 pages of notes, and the Lord told me this afternoon that we need to go deeper and lay more of a foundation in Romans 12, 1 and 2. So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We have to get this, so I want to broaden your view of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2, by going back and talking about the letter that Paul wrote to the Roman Christians give you a little history, because it's really amazing. Do you know, as, as, as I study the Word of God, it's amazing how I can see how He teaches. Do you know I know the Holy Spirit's teaching style? Because you can see it. You can see it in all the epistles. You can see it throughout the whole Bible, how He teaches, to, so that you and I get it. Now, of course, he is the great teacher, right? He's using my mouth tonight. I, I stand, but if it wasn't the gift as a pastor inside of me, it wouldn't equip anybody. If he doesn't, if he doesn't open scripture to you, nothing's happening because he's the one who causes us to see. But I'm telling you, it's really awesome. So we're going to jump back because Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and verse 2 are some of the most in important instructions given to us in the whole New Testament. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's foundational, so we must understand it. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is the key to the Christian life. Because remember, the Christian life, this is, not, this is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. This isn't religion. This is about a relationship. Boy, there's so many believers that can quote so many scriptures and they think they're so spiritually mature, but they haven't seen any of them because they're all about themselves. But when you come before the word of God humbly, you're relying on the Holy Spirit to help you. Man, he will, he'll move big time and show you things. It's the key to the Christian life. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is the key to walking in victory in life. You can take the book of Romans and go anywhere and teach it to anyone and it would completely change their life because this letter was a complete work. It was a complete work. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is the key to presenting our bodies a living sacrifice and it's a key to renewing our minds with the word of God. We must have revelation knowledge of Romans 12, 1 and 2. So in the Bible, if you'll notice on Sundays, I teach a lot of topical subjects. And what we do there, when we teach topical subjects, we look at scriptures that pertain to the same topic and we go up this mountain different ways so we get a real full picture now, there's something that I love, and I think it was probably from my Baptist roots. It really came about, man, when I, was, when I was 17 and I moved to Southern California with my parents, I started going to this Bible study on Monday night by this guy by the name of Chuck Smith. And it was at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. And he would take five years and start in Genesis 1-1 and go through Revelation 22. He'd take five years and do expository teaching and man, I love that. I always wondered why I always left wanting more. But then I realized 
as good as some of those nuggets were, whenever we would talk at all about the Holy Spirit, it was like skipping a stone across the water because we wouldn't go super deep into that. You know, and so now what, but it laid a great foundation so that now as I put the Holy Spirit into this and started learning some things about him and all this, boy, you could just go deeper. So I'm so grateful for Chuck Smith. I actually almost became a Calvary Chapel pastor uh, right at the last minute. I was waiting to go talk to my pastor about this. I was in small groups with Chuck and, and man, he's like, you know, I see the call of God on you. And, and, and he had like a pastor program and stuff. And, and so I went, to, I went to our pastor to talk to him about it. And I opened up this magazine before I saw him. And I saw this, this picture. It said Rama Bible Training Center. And it was a picture of this school in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma that I'd never heard of. And uh, the Lord goes, I want you to go there. And so, you know, that was the direction that I ended up going. But I always, I love expository teaching as well. But topical teaching's good, right? We must realize about the letter that Paul wrote. And, and we went through this with the guys. I, I really want to teach the book of Romans and the book of Hebrews. I'd love to teach it. You know, I, I've taught the book of Revelation on a Wednesday night. It took 28 weeks. So I, you know, I just, I'm like, man, do I, can I invest? But the longer I'm walking with this stuff, I'm just going, you know, Romans is one of the most misunderstood books of the Bible and it's foundational. And so anyway, we got to realize that Paul wrote this letter to Roman Christians and it's a letter of instruction on how to live in victory in their Christian lives. It's a complete work. But it's a letter to teach them. They were under great persecution and God wanted them to know how to walk in, in victory. Paul wrote this letter to these Roman Christians realizing that they may never read another letter that he wrote to another place in the body of Christ. He, he wrote this realizing that this might be the only letter that they ever read. This letter was written to them so they could have a very, like a start to finish instruction guide on how to walk in victory. So this, I mean, literally it's a complete work. I don't know, I can't stress that enough. So Paul, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, is, is literally led to be very systematic in the way that he presents certain truths. And here is the foundation. If you don't understand this principle you can't understand the book of romans you won't understand even the epistles here it is there is literal there's two truths that are brought out that you have to understand is he talking about this truth or that truth the first one he talks about it's a it's positional truth positional truth what positional truth has to do with is your direct relationship with God. The second truth is temporal truth. Temporal truth has to do with your behavior. Okay? Positional truth, your relationship. Temporal truth, your behavior. Here's an example. Positional truth. Positionally, you and I are seated with Christ right now in heavenly places. Bible says that. Temporally, we're seated at Faith Family Church on Blondo Street in Omaha. Does that make sense? Positionally, now you got to understand this to walk in victory. Because see, people will look at their behavior and try to figure out who they are in Christ. And it's two different things. Example, positionally, everyone in this room who's accepted Christ and been born again, who's bowed to his lordship, every one of us has been made the very righteousness of almighty God in Christ. That is a fixed, true reality in our life. Temporally, we may or may not be living like we're the righteousness in Christ. 
Does that make sense? So what Satan will do when you mess up, he'll jump on your shoulder and say, see, you're not the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ because, man, you just kicked your cat. Or you just punched your husband. I'm messing with you. Right? So positionally, you've been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. When? Well, Jesus was made to be sin so that you would be made the very righteousness of Almighty God. When you accept Christ and you're born again, you are, you're not clothed in righteousness, you're made righteous. But the temporal truth is you may or you may not be living like that. Does that make sense? So in chapters 1 through 8 of Romans, and you should write this down because this will help you if you read the book of Romans. Chapters 1 through 8, Paul is giving positional truth information to the Roman Christians about who they are in Christ, what belongs to them in Christ, right? What Jesus has done for us. He's, so in other words, let's bring it to us here. So Paul is giving us positional truth information about now who we are in Christ, what we've been given in Christ, who Jesus is, right, in us. He's giving us positional truth for the first eight chapters. So chapters one through three, Paul talks about how sin manifests in two ways, right? It manifests in a heathen lifestyle, Romans chapter 1, or it manifests in a religious lifestyle, Romans chapter 2, and then Romans chapter 3 tells us that both are lost, right? So, it, But it's talking about positional truth. Chapter 4, Paul starts talking about how faith is necessary for us to come to God. Chapter 5, Paul talks to us about who we are in Christ and what we've been given in Christ. So he's, he's going back. Realize this, the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, is going, listen, I'm going to take eight out of, out of 16 chapters and I'm going to teach you positional truth. It never tells you how to walk out any of it. It just tells you what you've been given for eight chapters. Paul, see, I grew up in a denomination, man. I'd be this little guy, I'm standing there, you know. And I remember thinking, even as a kid, even as I got a little older, I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. How? But the Holy Spirit does not, does not talk to you about how in the first eight chapters. He just keeps talking to you about who you are in Christ, what you've been given, all this. Why? Because you can't walk anything out if you don't know what you've been given. And God will never tell you, you better do this unless you're equipped to do it, right? We got to know this. So Paul starts in chapter 6, he starts talking about things that we have to know. We have to know some things positionally. We have to know these things. Before Paul ever gets to the place to tell us how we are to live, he presents this information on what we've been given right example here we're told to yield to god to stop lying to stop walking in unforgiveness however we're never told how to do that in the first eight chapters right he wants to lay a foundation paul doesn't start out with chapter 12 telling us how we're to live he doesn't start with chapter 12 he starts with chapter 1 he starts off in the earlier chapters telling us who we are if you don't have knowledge of who you are you cannot yield and stop lying and walk in love right you have to you have to know who you are and what you've been given and then he starts to teach you how to use that to walk it out in your life. So in Romans chapter 6, as an example, you, you jump over there. You're already in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 6, it says this. 
Now remember, it's talking to Christians. And he says this, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Paul says to these Roman Christians, don't yield your flesh. The word instrument is in the Greek is the word weapon. He, ta- he tells born-again Christians with the love of God shed abroad in their hearts, he tells them, guys, don't yield your flesh to be a weapon, right, of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and yield your members as instruments or as weapons of righteousness unto God. So this is going to help us see Paul's pattern. Romans 6.13 is literally saying the same thing as Romans 12.1. But it's given you the other side of the coin. Because you could read Romans 6.13 and go, yeah, you know what? I'm not supposed to yield my my flesh to be a, a weapon of unrighteousness. Do you know the number one problem in the church? Churches that go through splits and all this stuff, it doesn't come from the outside. It comes from born-again, spirit-filled believers on the inside. But see, in Romans chapter 6, verse 13, if you stop there, you, it doesn't tell you how not to do that. Okay? The problem, see, the problem, and and this is going to expose why you and I have trouble overcoming some behavior things. The problem is flesh cannot yield the flesh. I, okay, this is it. Man, it's January 1st. This year, I'm going to work out. I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock every morning, and I'm just going to do this. But if you try to do that stuff in your own strength, like if you're part of a gym, January's a nightmare. But don't worry, February's coming, and definitely March is coming. There'll be all kinds of room in there. Right? I know some guys that, that run a, a shop here. I buy gym equipment from them. And man, they are just massively busy. All through the last quarter of the year, setting up, man, they're delivering stuff. They're setting it up in January. By March, man, you got these treadmills and ellipticals and weight machines. They are so good at hanging up furniture or hanging up clothes to dry on them. <laughs> right? Flesh cannot yield flesh. In other words, my flesh cannot make my flesh live righteously. That's the problem. Well, I have an anger problem. Okay, you have an anger problem. Well, try to work that out. Try to get your flesh to help you overcome that. It's impossible. Okay? We have to understand this. Because if your flesh is trying to overcome something, or if you're trying to overcome something in your life with your flesh, this is what that's called. It's called works. And works... Man, Satan loves getting a Christian on the works treadmill because he'll just keep hitting that speed button. He'll keep hitting that incline button. And then he will say, hey, everybody, everybody in this guy's life, watch, just watch him. He says he's a Christian because he knows, man, he's going to just fall and wipe out. And he loves that. And then he tells everybody, see, Jesus is not real. And then he tells the person that wipes out, you're dirt. You might as well forget about God. Right? And it's all lies. Your spirit, your spirit, as you yield to God, as you renew your mind with the word of God, you'll be able to keep your flesh under. Your behavior flows out of a revelation knowledge that you know who you are in Christ. It flows out of righteousness. So the pattern, now this is big, the pattern or the progression laid out in the book of Romans 
to walk in victory in every area of your life is this right here. You might want to write this down. Know, and then you could put an arrow, right? Reckon, right? Reckon, what does that mean? It means to count. It means to calculate. It means to put something together in your mind. It means to accept to be true that which is an already established fact. So you have to know. The second aspect is reckon, then another arrow, and then the word yield. See, there's a lot of people that come to church and they get a scripture and they're like, wow, okay, this is my answer. This was me for years. I'm so excited. This is my answer. But I don't take the time to meditate in the word so that I can put it, put it together in my mind so that I could accept it, accept to be true what is an already established fact. I don't reckon, I just, I want to jump from no to yield. And I wonder why I don't yield. The progression is not no rec or not no yield, it's no reckon yield. So let's talk about this. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, it says this, first three words, know ye not, right? I'll read it so that, that so many of us, as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. See, it says, know ye not. Look at verse 6, pull verse 6 up there. It says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Knowing this. Verse 9, go to verse 9. It says again, knowing this, or knowing that, Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Knowing, knowing, knowing. Now look at verse 11. Likewise, reckon. Now we're getting into the reckon part. Reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You want to get sin out of your life? You have to reckon yourself dead to sin. And Romans chapter 6 literally gives you six things that you can know to reckon, to count this thing, to accept what is already an established fact, to accept it as true in your life. You have to know that you were crucified with Christ. You were buried with him in baptism, right? You were identified with his crucifixion. You were identified with his resurrection. You were raised to newness of life. You have to have revelation knowledge. If you have revelation knowledge of these things, you can reckon yourself dead to sin. Number six, that sin no longer has dominion over you. You know something, and then you reckon. Right? So let's keep going with this. Go to verse 13. Verse 13. Neither, here it is, yield. Remember, we read that one. Don't yield your flesh to be weapons of unrighteousness but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members or your flesh as weapons of righteousness unto God. Know, reckon, and yield. Do you want to walk in victory in your life? You are going to have to gain revelation knowledge of his word, and you're going to have to meditate in that so that you could put this stuff together, so that you could count it as done, which is an already established fact, and that puts you in a position to yield your flesh, or in other words, remember what we said about Romans 6.13? It's saying the same thing as Romans 12.1. Yield yourself is the same as, my brothers, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. No 
reckon and yield so very important hallelujah now we jump to chapters now once we get through chapter 8 and chapter 8 is the real big victory chapter now we jump into chapters 9 10 and 11 and Paul takes a side journey that tells us about how Israel fits into the plan of God during the church age and what will happen after the church age is over. It, he goes into like a side journey about this. But then, chapter 12, Paul goes directly into, right into temporal truth. Chapter 12, so the first eight chapters, positional truth. 9, 10, and 11, he goes on a side journey. Chapters 12 through 16, now he's talking about Okay, now that you know who you are, now that you know what you've been given, now, Romans 12, verse 1, now we're going to start talking about how to walk that out. Why am I taking so much time on this? Because this is a foundation of renewing your mind. You have to understand this. You can't just suck it up and think right. No, no, God, the, God's word has to come into your mind and renovate it. It has to rip out those detrimental thought processes, right? It has to replace that with a model or an example or a paradigm of thinking that's in line with the word of God. There are Christians today that think it's okay to do things and their lifestyle is completely opposite from what the Word says, and they're wondering why they're not happy. They're wondering why they're frustrated, right? Financially, God says so much. It, it gets people mad. Don't talk to me about financial stuff. I hate that because I've been living in poverty. I've, I never have enough, and I just get sick of that preacher. Well, we got to get you some revelation knowledge so that you could start reckoning some stuff. So that you can yield. Why do people not honor God in their finances? It's whole, I mean, it's crazy. Why do people not come to church? You know, there's, there's a 3% chance of snow. <laughs> Snowmageddon is going to take over Omaha. And it's going to hit Sunday morning. And, and on Thursday, churches start canceling services. <laughs> but yet, that Sunday, they drive the death trap highways to Lambeau Field or to Soldier Field, the coldest place in the world, in January when it's snowing a foot. My wife sent me a picture of this today. It has these people sitting in the stands they're covered in snow, but they're watching a football game. But oh man, it's going to be cold tonight or this morning. I, you know, I, I just don't want to go to church. There, we just, we don't know some things. And we, we haven't reckoned some things, so we, we're not yielding things. We are peculiar. Now, a lot of Christians who don't know, reckon, and yield, they think that word means weird. Or rude. No, no, that word peculiar means I'm surrounded and I'm purchased. Right? I don't want to meddle there, but see, don't get down on yourself if your behavior's messed up. But don't stay there either, because the inner turmoil stinks for a Christian. Your spirit, you're violating your spirit all the time, you're never happy. No, no, start getting in the word so that revelation can flow to you and then learn, let the Holy Spirit teach you how to reckon this problem to where you see, wait a minute, sin doesn't have dominion over me because I was crucified with Christ. I was buried with him in baptism. I was raised to a new life and now sin, the power of it's broken over my life and now I could walk in the righteousness of God. I could walk by the faith of God, right? I could walk in his strength. I know that he loves me and he never, ever, ever loves me any less than he loves Jesus, ever. And he's in my life. See, this is, this is why we have to lay this foundation. So now Paul in Romans chapter 12 is going right into temporal truth. 
In other words, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, through the end of the book, Paul is going to tell these Roman Christians, the Spirit of God is telling us today how to live in victory in every arena of your life. Right? Paul will talk about this temporal truth all the way to the end of the book of Romans. In other words, chapter 12 literally is a continuation of chapter 8. If you were to read, actually, I, I've got the last few verses. Go to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read the last few verses. We'll start in verse 38. We'll read 38 and 39, and then we'll go right into it. Because remember, the translators broke this into chapter and verses so that we can study it, but this was a letter. And man, I'm telling you, with the positional truth and temporal truth, when you understand what the Holy Spirit's doing, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 is a continuation of Romans chapter 8, verse 39. So look at this. Paul says this, For I am persuaded. He didn't say my flesh is persuaded. He says I am persuaded. Well, who is I? I, the spirit man, Paul, am persuaded. In other words, you are persuaded in your spirit. You gotta know that. So many Christians are being persuaded in their unrenewed mind because they're looking at the wrong thing. But that unrenewed mind that's looking at natural things cannot even compare when you look at something with your spirit. Because when your spirit becomes persuaded, your flesh is done. Your unrenewed mind's done. It will literally rip that out, and all of a sudden you are, you're a completely different person. What was bothering you before doesn't bother you again. And you don't walk around with your chest out going, look at me, man, I'm really, I, you know, I never sin, I'm doing this. No, 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 no. No, you walk around just so thankful because you know I, the only reason why I'm kept is because of him, not because of me. Right? This, we keep it in perspective. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, that word creature in the Greek means nor, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the thought that lays the foundation for you to start learning how to walk this stuff out. You have to have a revelation that nothing ever separates you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And if his spirit, Romans chapter 6 says, dwells in you, then you are in Christ. Boy, I'll tell you, you've got to get this. 1 Corinthians 2.16, you don't have to turn there, but it says we have the mind of Christ. So if we have, every one of us as believers, if we have the mind of Christ, why don't we think like him? See, Paul is talking about the difference between positional truth and temporal truth. Positionally, you have the mind of Christ. In other words, the life of God on the inside of you will cause you to know things. But this doesn't mean that you understand all things. Paul is saying, this is what I've come to know. He was persuaded because of what he saw. He got a revelation of these things in his heart. So now right after that, nothing separates me from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. In other words, I know that my God loves me always. His love for me is not based on my behavior. It's based on my position. It's based on the fact that I'm his child. Now, based on that, here we go, Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, 
This Greek phrase, I beseech you, is literally like Paul is saying, guys, I am calling you out to be separate from the world. To be separate. Right now, much of the body of Christ, I mean, you should, you should hear some of the things people say to me as a pastor. Right? The meanest people I know are Christians. The worst tippers are Christians. I hate working Sundays. Seriously? Why would I want to be a Christian? Why would I want to put myself in that position? Every Christian I know, they're just judging me all the time. Right? Now, this is the thing, guys. This, this final day's church, people are going to be running to the church because they're going to see and sense and feel the love of God the acceptance, listen, you come as you are. However you are is fine, because when you come to me, Jesus says, I'll make you like me. I'll take all the junk, and I'll give you my life. And I'll never look down on you or get down on you from what you've done. No, no, no. I already paid for all of it. Right? It's a non-issue. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. Jesus knows, and he still loved you so much, he, he literally went to the cross, and he bore all of it. Wow. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, <clears throat> by the mercies of God, that you present, this word present means that you yield your bodies a living sacrifice. You yield your bodies a living sacrifice. And as I said last week, this is a paradox because there's no such thing in the Old Testament as a living sacrifice. Sacrifices in the Old Testament were all dead. Right? This means, why does it say that, a living sacrifice? Because as a child of God, you are to live the Zoe life of God as if you're dead. What do you mean? Dead to sin. I'm completely dead to it. Do you know there's never been a corpse that has ever told a lie? There's never been a corpse that ever did anybody wrong. I mean, you literally the meanest person you, I mean, the guy who you look at him wrong and he'll just wipe you out physically. If he's laying in a casket dead, you could go up there and slap his face, spit in his face, and he won't even, he doesn't change at all. He's just... God's, God is telling us we are to live like we're dead. Dead to sin. How do we do that? Well, we got to know something and then we've got to reckon it so that we can yield our members. Does that make sense? So that literally your flesh is not the one in charge, and when somebody despitefully uses you, all you could think about is how can I do good to them? Right? Well, I think we're seeing some things in Romans chapter, tw chapter 1, or 12 verse 1. Ye present or yield your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, this word means sanctified. What is the work of sanctification? Sanctification is being set apart for the master's use. What is the work of sanctification? It's literally presenting your body a living sacrifice. Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's where everything gets a little confusing. Which is your reasonable service. Most translations will translate this spiritual worship. Which one is right? They both are. So let's look at this again, and let's figure out this reasonable service, because in this phrase, reasonable service, is going to give us a real key on walking in victory. The King James translators translated this reasonable service because one aspect of this Greek word 
literally means logic. Reasonable, but they did reasonable service because it's logic. It, it means logic. Paul is saying, in other words, guys, here is the logical progression. Spiritual worship means what you reckon, what you reckon to be true. Spiritual worship is you're reckoning something to be true. That means literally you're counting it, you're calculating it, you're putting this together in your mind you, so that you could understand something and you'll accept it into your life as a very, as a fact that's already been done. Example, this will bring some clarity to this. It's not logical to your natural mind to reckon yourself to be healed when you have symptoms of sickness and disease and pain attacking your body. It's not natural for you to reckon yourself healed, right? But if you know the principles of how faith works, if you have revelation knowledge of the principles, that's why we teach the word around here, then you can reckon yourself to be healed and then it becomes a logical progression. Right? That's, that's what we're talking about here. We are to yield our bodies as being dead to sin, but alive to God. We're to live like we're dead, dead to sin. But see, if you know what God's word says about it, then it becomes your reasonable service or it becomes a logical progression to believe that you're healed, to believe that you're blessed, to believe that this addiction that's been eating my lunch for my whole life has no power in my life, even though it feels like it does. No, no, I have revelation knowledge, and now I've reckoned, wait a minute, why am I putting up with this? I've been made free from this. And when you realize that in your spirit and you get persuaded that nothing can take a hold of me anymore, you'll yield your body and you'll walk free from it. Do you see that a little bit more? We're seeing it a little bit more. In other words, you make a one-time decision of this when you receive Christ and then you continue to do this daily. I make a one-time decision, okay, I am going to live like I'm dead to sin, but I got to walk that out every minute of every day. And if I ever mess up, what do I do? I know I'm fully persuaded that nothing can separate me from his love, so I run back, I confess that, I get him involved, and I go back to his word and I just start, okay, I'm crucified with Christ. Holy Spirit, I'm yielding to you. Bring revelation to my heart so that I could see this, so that I could reckon it, and then yield my flesh to it and walk in the freedom of it. Somebody comes up to you, man, you better renounce Christ or I'm going to kill you. You smile at him and say, well, I'm already dead. <laughs> so here's the deal. Because I'm dead... Can you just give me a minute to decide whether or not I'm going to lay my life down or whether I'm just going to walk free? Because Mr. Person with a gun, the gun and the bullet in that gun has absolutely no power. You can't take my life. I got to look down on the inside. Am I done here? You know what? No, I'm not done here. No. I'm going to kill you. No. you got to have revelation knowledge of it because I'm telling you, that trigger could be pulled. Remember Terry Mize when he was here? How many times was he shot? Right? Bullets, bullets emptied out, but nothing hit him. But you got to have a revelation of who you are in Christ. Paul's on death row. He's on death row. Could you imagine all these Christians on death row? And they're kind of getting together in their cells. They're kind of talking between themselves and going, so, you going to go? You going to die? I don't know. I don't think so. I think there's some things. You know, actually, God's been talking to me about pastoring. You know, so I, I, I yeah, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to die. The guard's going, what? No, 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 it's already a done deal. No, no, it's not. That's not fantasy. 
That's Bible. See, you make a one-time decision. I will follow him. That's why John 3.16 is so misunderstood because it says, right? For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that word believe means to believe so strongly that I'm willing to commit my life to it. It doesn't believe, it doesn't, it's not fire insurance. Well, you know, really, I'll just say I believe this because, you know, hey, I don't want to go to hell if it is real. But I'm surely not going to change. I'm going to live my own life and do my own thing. That person doesn't get born again. You might as well be saying, twinkle, twinkle, little star. We have to know that in the church. Because I'm telling you, there's multitudes of people sitting chairs. I don't think we have that here. But multitudes are sitting in chairs thinking they're a Christian because my grandmother bought the pew. Well, because, you know, my dad was a pastor. No, you can go sit in your garage for a year and you'll never become a car. You, you know, like tonight we're having our all-in event. For those people who literally are going, you know what, this is the church God's planting me at. I'm going to go into this class. I'm going to, I just, you know, I, I understand that God is all in with me, so I'm all in with him. So I'm going to be all in here where he's planted me. But you know, you can't join a church. You can't join the church. You got to be born into it. Good people don't go to heaven. Bad people don't go to hell. You got to be born again. Right? You yield your body by knowing who you are in Christ and then reckoning yourself dead to sin, which is your reasonable service or which is just the logical progression. That's what he's saying. You yield your body by knowing who you are in Christ. And then you reckon yourself to be dead to sin, which is just the logical progression. No reckon yield. This is the living, this is the living sacrifice. This is how you and I live a sanctified life. It's a one-time decision that we live out every moment of every day of our lives. So what will Satan try to do? He'll try to ignite your flesh for the purpose of you not being a living sacrifice. That's all he does. He'll ignite your flesh. He'll keep throwing thoughts in your mind to try to ignite your flesh, right? But then... God's word in Romans 12, 2 is going to show us how to do this. Romans 12, 2 shows you, doesn't tell you, it shows you. Why? Because you've got to see it. You've got to get revelation knowledge of this. It shows you how to do Romans 12, 1. And it says this, and be not conformed to this world. Don't, in other words, don't be fashioned into the mold of this world, but be transformed. This Greek word metamorpho means to be changed, to transfigure. That means what's on the inside shows on the outside. But be transformed by the renewing or the renovation of your mind. How is your life transformed? You have to renovate your mind. And there's only one thing that will pull out detrimental thought processes out of your mind and replace it with thinking like God thinks. And that's the Word of God. The Bible says in James that when the Word of God is implanted in your spirit, it brings salvation and wholeness to your soulish realm. It's the only thing. It says here, by doing that, that you may prove or determine by experience what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? The renewing of your mind will literally change or transform, it probably might be the better word, your nature. Oh, your spirit, the nature of your spirit 
is you only love. You don't consider yourself. You don't get moved by anything. You want God. You want his word. You love his church. You walk in forgiveness. That's your spirit. But that will not do you any good behaviorally. Right? Until you renew your mind. Because that's what transforms your nature. In other words, that what, that's what causes the nature of who you are in Christ on the inside to show up and dominate your behavior on the outside. In other words, Paul is saying the key to walking in victory is the renovation or the renewing of your mind. You have to do it. So I'm going to leave you with this. What, how do you walk this out? You, whatever you're facing, you find your answer in the Word of God. You get two or three scriptures that tell you what God's will is for your situation. Then what do you do with that? You renew your mind to that. Right? You find out what God's will is, you renew your mind to that, and then what's left to do? You walk in the victory that the Word has told you that is yours. Everything. So if you leave with nothing else tonight, know, reckon, yield. Now, find your answer in, in God's Word, renew your mind, and walk in the victory that He's given you. Amen? We're going to get into a lot of stuff but we have to get this foundation right. I would encourage you guys, take Romans 12, 1 and 2. Take Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. Start speaking it. Write it down. Carry it in your pocket. Start speaking it over your life. Every time it comes up to you, every day. And I'm telling you, next week when you come to church on Wednesday night, man, I will preach so much better everything will be better in your life. Amen?